You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. What if we hooked you up to a spiritual monitor? What if we listened with a spiritual stethoscope to your soul? Would we find signs of life? Oh, we, we can look alive, can't we? As Carl, in his dramatic monologue, said we could be whitewashed tombs, painted up, looking really good. As we went to the cemetery, it always gets me. I've done hundreds of funerals, hundreds of burials. And every time I walk through that place, whether it's to visit a grave with a family or to watch somebody end their life or to do a video like that, I'm always moved. I moved because I wonder how many people were laid to rest there that never knew the giver of life. I want to tell you that hanging out with the fire department, I've learned a little bit about CPR. You know what it stands for, right? You think you know. You know the Bernie Fetterman version? (laughs) CPR stands for Christ Performs Resurrections where he comes, (laughs) massages his truth into your soul so you could have life and life more abundant. And that's what Jesus said. In John 10, he, he told people who were alive that he came to give life. It almost seems contrary. They, they were living. They, they were alive. Their hearts were beating. And had someone come to assess them, using the algorithm we heard about that I can't remember. They would have said, yep, patient's alive. But Jesus says to people who are alive that he's come to give them life. And then he says life more abundant because the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, everything that is life-giving from God, the devil wants to steal away from you. Every bit of truth that the Lord gives you, every bit of hope, every bit of joy, every bit of love, the devil wants to turn to hate. Every bit of joy, the devil wants to turn to to just pain and bitterness and defeat and discouragement and depression. Jesus had a central message. He proclaimed the good news. He didn't come to give good advice because you know what advice is. Advice is you give some advice to someone and you hope they'll do what you say. They may or may not do it. But he came to proclaim good news. News is always done after something significant has happened. And what's the good news of Jesus? The kingdom of God has come to you. Heaven has come to earth. Just think about that. Now, how many people will pray this prayer today? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in heaven and not even understand what kingdom means. Kingdom is simply the king's domain. And the heavenly kingdom is all about Jesus being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So they're praying a prayer like, your kingdom come, Lord. In other words, if your kingdom come, 
my kingdom has to diminish. And oh baby, we all have our kingdom. Supposed to go to bed at a certain time, not me, I'm staying up late. You know how old you are when you find out you have a kingdom? About two. Anybody know the favorite words of a two-year-old? No. no. <laughs> Number one answer. And the second word is mine. You're so smart. No and mine. It's my kingdom. It's all about me. Come on. The doctor tells you, not supposed to eat that. And you go down 8th Street and you stop at 31 choices or 31 flavors. Huh? They say, cut down on your fat and you're feeling the call for a triple cheese. Come on. And in that moment, you're the king or the queen of your domain. Your kingdom come. Wouldn't it be great if today we all said, I want to listen to the voice of the good shepherd because it was in that same passage that we alluded to today of John 10 where Jesus says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's a bad shepherd. He's a bad life guide. But I'm a good life guide. I'm a good shepherd. I come to give you life and life more abundant. It's a double dimension word. I come to give you a quantity of life. And not just 80 or 85 or 95 years, but I come to give you a quantity of life. It's called eternal life, forever life. And I come to give you a quality of life, something that you don't have on your own. That's why Peter, who understood this life-giving Jesus, said in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. In World War I, there was some Turkish soldiers who came to steal a herd of sheep. The shepherd could do nothing by himself. He was outnumbered by these armed and trained soldiers, and he watched his herd be stolen away from him. They went down the hill, they went into the valley, and he thought, what can I do? And then he remembered. He called to them, and at once all the sheep turned left and ran away from the soldiers back to the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Every sheep has a very, very significant understanding of the distinctive voice of their shepherd. Can I just ask you this morning, who is the shepherd of your soul? Is it the earthly kingdom? By the way, how well is our kingdom of earth doing these days? There's political bickering. There's war and rumor of war. There's terrorism. There's human trafficking. There's poverty. There's children who are starving in our world. The economy is a little shaky. We're not sure. What grade would you give the kingdom of this earth? An A? C minus? When it comes to life giving, I would give it an F. Because you could pursue money, and you could pursue cars, and you could pursue things. 
But at the end, we're left holding an empty bag. The joy of the Lord isn't really ours. It can only be ours when we know him and we come to know that he's the giver of life. And after Jesus rises from the dead on the very first Easter, he spends the next 40 days proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The kingdom. You know about kingdoms. Any parents here of of young kids? Come on, any parents? Then you know about kingdoms. Every time you get in your car or your SUV or your van, you know all about kingdoms. The kids in the back think it's their kingdom. But you're driving at the front, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. You think it's your kingdom. After all, you're making the payments. And then you'll say something like, don't make me come back into your kingdom. And because you're driving, you reach back into their kingdom, and they go to the far reaches, the far corners of their kingdom. Oh, my God. And if you're smart, you'll just hit the brakes. Thy kingdom come. (laughs) I've been waiting so long to use that. But Jesus doesn't come to pump the brakes. He comes to ignite the gifts and the dreams that are in your soul and the talents that you have because he comes to give you life and life more abundant. Jesus will make your life better and he will make you better at life. John eleven twenty five. 25. How could Jesus say to people who had life that I come to give you life? Well, when he called the name of his dead friend Lazarus to come out of the tomb, He said these words. Would you read them? I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone believes in me will live even after dying. And then in John 14, 16, he says these words. I am, let's read them, the way, the truth, and the... No one comes to the Father except through me. And somebody says, well, wait a minute. I'm an American. Can I get to God? See, man's been trying to get to God since the beginning of time. There was a tower that they built, the Tower of Babel. They thought they were really something. It was about like five stories tall. Woo! Look at us! Are you impressed, God? God says, I'm not impressed. I made you. You made a tower. Woo! We got a new hotel going up. It's pretty tall. It's taller than the Tower of Babel. You impressed? We launch rockets, God. Are you impressed? We put satellites up at Vandenberg. Are you impressed, God? He says, that's pretty cool. I'm glad you got stuff that can search for the stars. I put my hands in my pocket one day and threw all the stars out in the sky. I know every star by name. I even know stars you haven't discovered yet. Neener, neener, neener. (laughs) He's a huge God who cares enough about you specifically. With the seven and a half billion people on the planet, he wants to give you life. That's impressive. He knows what you're thinking before you do. He knows what you're about to ask for before you even utter a prayer. And then when you raise your little pipsqueak voice, God, he comes down And the Bible says he leans down to hear you. 
like a parent to hear their child's first word. How much does he love us? How much does he want us to have life? Years ago, a guy who was very wealthy had written his last wishes in an envelope. I want to be buried in a Cadillac with zero miles on the odometer. I want you to take my money and buy the finest suit that you can. I want to have a big fat cigar, the most expensive in the land. Get it from Cuba. Now you can, but back then you couldn't. I want all my jewelry. I want my hands at 10 and 2. And I want you to make sure my face is smiling. They dug a big hole near Forest Lawn. They dropped his Cadillac in the ground. And the crane operator was heard by all. Now that's really living. It'll take a while for you to catch it. (laughs) Isn't it funny what we think is life? You have a fight going on. Your kingdom and God's kingdom. But I would like to say today, would you give up to God? Because Jesus will make your life better. And he will make you better at life. So we look for love in all the wrong places. I think that was a song, wasn't it? We also look for life in all the wrong places. We are looking for life. As long as there have been human beings looking at the stars, we've wondered about distant planets. In our imagination, we picture distant worlds where aliens exist. Maybe they look like us. Maybe they're caricatures of humanity. Or maybe like science fiction movies. There's something that if we see them, we will run the other way. This last Thursday, NASA reported that Jupiter's moon, Europa, and Saturn's moon, Enceladus, may be habitable. That these two moons, beautiful as they are, kind of looks like Earth. That somehow there is a plume of hydrogen coming from Enceladus, which is most likely the result of hypothermal reaction from the seafloor. There will be a test when we're done. In addition, the Hubble telescope has revealed a water plume erupting from the moon Europa, and NASA will further explore ocean worlds in our solar system. And sometime during the 2020s, they will send a craft to further explore Europa. And if that wasn't enough, back in September, Elon Musk, the former guru of PayPal, now the guru of SpaceX and Tesla motor car company, says, we will colonize Mars and save humanity from extinction, I quote. But even if you move to Mars, by the way, he's taking reservations. Even if you move to Mars, you'd still have this. You'd still have your same soul. That's why Proverbs 14.2 reminds us there is a path before each person that seems right. It seems lifelike, but in the end, it's death. The same power that made Jesus alive again can make you alive again. Second birth. That's what salvation is. Unlike scientists who are always hoping for new discoveries, these women who went on the very first Easter to the tomb, did not expect life at all because you don't look for life in cemeteries. They'd been here before. This was not the first time. 
And this time they came with their spices because they wanted to uh, put these spices on the decomposing body of Jesus Christ to somehow reduce the smell. They had seen this Jesus heal the diseased, cast out the devils. They heard stories about him. They sat with him and watched him teach like no one had ever taught before. His authority and wisdom seemed to be out of this world. At the same time, however, he was very much God. He was also very much man. And they discovered, however, the signs of life in an empty tomb. Jesus had been risen from the dead. The lifeless body they expected to find inside the tomb was gone. The stone had been rolled away. The earth shook. And God made a way for us to have eternal life. Life and life more abundant. Easter's a time where we are reminded that conclusions in man's mind are beginnings in God's plan. Luke 24, 5 and 8 says, Why are you looking for the living in the cemetery? He's not here, but he has been raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had been handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise again, and then they remembered Jesus' words. How many times, for those of us that have been around Christianity, have we heard his words but forgotten his words? How many times has he made promises to take care of us, to watch over us, to never leave us or forsake us, and then when the first crisis hits us, we go, where is he? You know where he is in crisis? You know where he is in hurt? You know where he is in pain? You know where he is in depression? You know where he is in cancer? He's right there with us. He's right there with us. Death ruled for about a day and a half. Friday night, Saturday, the devil was having a party. Come on. We got Jesus. The kingdom of this earth was saying, we got Jesus. Pilate was saying, we got Jesus. Oh, but Sunday screwed it up for them so bad. I got a text this week from a dear friend, and it said, uh, Bernie, I, I, I know you're nervous about Easter. You always are. I'm nervous every Sunday. Well, I've been doing this 38 years. I'm, I'm always nervous. I wake up in the morning. I'm just nervous because you don't know if anybody's coming. You don't know if anything's going to work. Is the power going to go down in Lompoc? We, we need power to do this. I guess I could use a megaphone. And you don't know if any life is going to be changed. People are going to hear the same message. I had a lady email me one time. She comes every Easter. And you know what she said? I really like your church. I'd consider coming back, but it seems like you have one sermon. It's Easter. He's risen. What else can you say? But this dear friend of mine, this dear friend of mine went on to say in his text, whatever you do, don't candy coat the message. Yeah, fine, because you know you just swipe and hit the delete, right? Yeah, think, hey, up your nose, buddy. Delete. <laughs> Like, you know, I can't decode the message. Is that what I do? And I picked up the phone again. 
Don't candy coat the message. People's lives need to be changed. I looked at it again. I couldn't get my finger to swipe to leave. And I looked at it again. And it went on to say that people's lives could be changed in a second. People that are living and everything's fine and thinking about tomorrow and the next day, but maybe there's no tomorrow, maybe there's no next day. Don't candy coat the message. I'm going to tell you this in honor of the text. You will never experience real life until you spend every day waking up and saying, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Let your abundant life come to me. And where there's places that have grown dead, where my love has grown cold, where there's parts of my life where I go through the motions, revive me again, Christ performs resurrections. He breathes into us when we've lost our breath. He gives us hope when we've lost our hope. I pray that somehow in these last few seconds before we pray, you would hear when Jesus called the Lazarus, come out. When Jesus called the Bernie, Bernie, come out. That somehow you would hear the Holy Spirit say your name. Come out and come to life. Come live in me. Not to be religious, but to have a relationship. And isn't it interesting? It's one little word. Yes, Lord. You want me to save you? Yes, Lord. You want me to give you new life? Yes, Lord. I want to believe in you that you died, that you rose again from the dead. I don't want to be a religious fanatic. And by the way, I don't want you to be one either. We have enough religious kooks to last us a lifetime. I just want you to know him. The God who can be known. The God of the universe. The God who knows everything that's way out there. Who simply wants to know you. Who wants to revolutionize your relationships. Who wants to bring new love and life into your marriage. Who wants to help you in your pursuit of careers. Your concerns about economy. Your concern about aging. He wants to help you. He wants to give you life. He wants to make your life better, and he wants to make you better at life. So, if you've been going through the motions, would you allow just these closing thoughts as we pray together to have you say, God, I need your life. And if you've never opened your heart to Jesus the Savior, I pray that right now you will. And I know you have some people in your family and some of your friends buffaloed. They think you're all that when it comes to spirituality. But you know better. You're the king of your kingdom. How's that working for you? You're the queen of your kingdom. How's that working for you? I'll tell you when life works best. When we make God the most. When we decrease and allow him to increase. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.